And if you can, you can be seated and you can keep playing just like you're doing. You're doing a marvelous job. I don't know what it is. The keyboard just does something with me sometimes and I just want to follow it. What an honor. What a privilege to be in this place this morning. I, I just count it a real more honor than what you can imagine to be here. I give honor to your pastor, Pastor Donald, and, and his family, his wife and family. I, I, I want to tell you, I, I, you know, he, he was flattering me a little bit while ago. And, and I want you to know, you don't realize the strength and the power of the man of God that God has set over this place. And I want to tell you, he's a giant that I feel like I've got to really look up to. That's the kind of man that he is. Now, you may not seem that way. Some of y'all looking, well, that's just Donald. No, it's not just Donald. It's the man of God that God has put over this place for a purpose in this region. But not only that, he's an incredible friend. And that's the one thing I appreciate all of it. But he is a friend. And, and of course, Pastor Clay that stands with him, this young man, I'm so impressed with. This, this guy is sharper than an arrow and as solid as a rock. I, I want to tell you, you don't realize the gift of God. When God puts gifts together like this and he puts them in a place like this, then there is something awesome that God is up to. Because every time God starts moving, see, I, I come up old school Pentecost. I don't know how y'all did, but I come up old school Pentecost, and we were always after a move of God. And if we had a great service on a morning where we were running the aisles and shouting from the front to the back and the running the pews, we thought we had a move of God. Well, I've come to learn something after 30-something years of pastoring that a move of God isn't anything about what we've been making it. A move of God isn't about us running the pews and running the aisles and falling on the floor. A move of God is when God comes into a place to transform it, to take people from one place, get them to His place. And when God does that, you need to understand something. That every time God does that, God always raises up a man. When somebody needs deliverance, what does God do? He sends a man. He didn't send an angel. He sends a man. So what has God done? He's put some men in this place that are here for you. And here for this region. It's more than just Pastor Donald. It's more than just Pastor Clay. And I know there's other leaders in this house. But you need to honor them and recognize them as the gifts that God has placed in this place for your life. To see a drastic change and to see the blessing of God flow. And not only for this for you, but for everybody throughout this region. I believe it with all my heart. I'm not here. I, I want to say about his sharpness. I said this to you in, Padu uh, in Paducah, in Cape. I I'm from Paducah. That's just reflected to me. But when he was in Cape, I, I, I watched these two minister together. We had an encounter weekend. I was just in awe. I I'm telling my people are, are in awe of what God did that weekend. And both of these men operated in their rightful place. But I never saw, I I'm going to tell this is this guy. I, I'm telling you, I told you there. I'm going to say it to you again. You are laser focused. And I believe that is only going to increase. Don't you guys get messed up when Pastor Clay starts reading things through your life that think somebody else told him. I, I want to tell you, these are things that God is speaking and God is revealing not to bring, listen, not to do anything but to bring good into your life and into this place. I believe that with all my heart. I'm not here to sermonize you this morning. I really can't preach that good. Now, these are the preachers, and if I get anything messed up, they're going to come up later, and they'll straighten it all out. And I hope that you'll be here tonight. I really do. I hope you'll make plans to come back tonight. I know this is a first, and I think it is, and we're going to have a good time tonight. But this morning, I know what the Lord has given to me to share with you. I'm not going to sermonize you, but I am going to speak to you what I believe prophetically, what I believe the Lord has revealed to me for this house. And this is what God is saying. I want you to listen to what the Lord said. I had to write a few things down in order so that I could stay focused that this is no small thing of what God is doing 
I know pastors stood up. I know you're in a, in, in a great campaign. I know over the next few years that, the, that they are believing for 300 souls to come into the kingdom. I, I want to tell you, that's a great thing. And that may seem to be far out there for where you think. But I got news for you. This is no small thing. And the Lord said to tell you that this isn't just an ordinary church. Sit on a corner to do ordinary things. But this is a place of transformation. Not only for your life, not only for your family, but it is a place of transformation for this entire region. Now you need to understand what that means. I had to look up that word transformation. It means a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance. God didn't save us to keep us in the same way that we've been. He didn't save us to leave Clay County. He didn't bring you here so that Clay County would be the fourth, what is it, the fourth poor county in the whole nation. No, God didn't intend that. That's not God's will at all. But God's going to use this place to get that statistic off of the map and say that you're no longer the fourth, the fourth, uh, what poverty county in the whole nation but you're going to be an example and a reflection of the kingdom a reflection of the life the reflection of the blessing of the Lord himself this is a place of transformation look at your neighbor and say this is a place of transformation the Lord said that this is a place Pastor Clay, when you was using that verse up there a while ago, man, my heart was jumping because I knew what God was speaking. He said this, that this is a place. This not becoming, but it is a place of His presence. It is a place of His power, and it is a place of His provision. You need to grab hold of that. It is a place of His presence, a place of His power, a place of His provision. I thought, Pastor, Lord, what are you telling me? because I was taken back. I know I love his presence, but there is a continual abiding of his presence in this place. What are you talking about, a place of his presence? A place that you will know that he is always with you. Not only that, but in his presence, you find who you really are. Because outside of his presence, you're going to walk, where do I belong? Who am I? Your identity is going to be challenged on every angle. But when you can come to know that you are in his presence, we are no longer, listen to what I'm telling you, I don't have to come in and beg to be in his presence. I don't have to come in and feel like a worm. I don't have to come in even though I may have failed this week. Listen, his love for me is not based upon the merit of how good I've been this week. Has anybody in this place been perfect this week? We're all in trouble. I know I haven't been. I know I kind of, you know, somebody kind of messed with me. You know, I'm driving over here a little bit over the speed limit. And somebody decides they want to drive slower than me. Can you believe that? Get right in front of me. I'm coming over to do the will of God. And somebody pull out in front of me like that. I have to tell you for a moment, I didn't feel holy at all. I didn't feel holy at all for just a moment. <clears throat> If I'm not careful, see, I'll let that grab my heart and the enemy will accuse me of where I failed at and said, I told you you're not who you are, but you need to understand something. When I'm in his presence, it has nothing to do about my merit. It has everything to do about his goodness and about his grace. His power to transform. His power to deliver. I heard him tell, introduce me to this brother over here in the jacket about a transforming work of God. How God has delivered. How God has saved. I got news for you. There is nothing impossible for our God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. There's healing in the power of God. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's, there's the ability to put broken things back together. Lost things can be found. Things that seem to be empty. God can feel it in a moment in His supernatural presence and in His power. That kind of power is in this place. 
Listen, we are good about God. We need revival. We need revival. Lord, send revival. I'm here to declare to the city of hope. It's time for you to quit acting, asking for revival. It's time for you to start being the revival. It's time for you to start acting in what God has already declared and what God has said. I've asked myself a question for the last couple of years. Because i got people all over my region where I'm from constantly praying for revival. Every time we have a good service, we go to church the next night. And if that service is good, we go the next night. Because we're endeavoring for something. See, we, this is how we look at revival. There's been the revivals of the past. I love studying the old guys. I love reading the stories of Azusa and stories of men like Smith Wigglesworth and Evan Roberts and all these great revivals. Bibleists, even here in the Cane Creek area where God done some amazing things in the past. And here's how we do. When God starts moving, we start wrapping it in what was yesterday instead of realizing God's too creative to repeat yesterday. God gives me a new day and he starts doing something fresh and new. We just got to start acting like it. You know, in the upper room when they came out, in the upper room was the wind. In the upper room was the fire. In the upper room were the cloven tongues as a fire. But it never happened again after that. Do you ever think about that? And yet we keep running back to the upper room. If I could just get into the fire. No. That was just a sign that he has come and he has filled. And they were supposed to leave the upper room and go act like now what they had just got filled with. So I'm going to say to you, City of Hope, it's time for us to start acting instead of crying for something to come. That little, that sister you talked about the story a while ago reminded me years ago when I first started pastoring. Had a little church in Paducah. And I brought a young man in, a young man and his wife from India, that country of India. Powerful, powerful little gift. He was about this tall. Never will forget him. John George. This guy moved in the power of God like, unlike anybody I'd ever seen. Miracles what happened. He had never played the keyboard, never played the piano. In one of his meetings, the Lord said, I want you to go and begin to play the keyboard. I want you to go to the keyboard and begin to play. Never, ever had touched the keyboard. He went to the keyboard and began to play, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and you would have swore he was a concert pianist. And when he would begin to play on that keyboard, miracles would begin to happen uh, across the room supernaturally. We had him in for revival. John George was there, and I remember an old-time friend that I grew up in the neighborhood, that she was our neighbor came into the meeting. I hadn't seen her since I was a little boy. Her name was Sister Wainick is what we called her. I noticed when she came in, somebody was leading her. She had gone blind. In the course of that meeting, I've noticed as we had our church service that night, she kind of sat in the back and we had a basement under our church and down in the basement was where our restrooms were. And I noticed why Brother George was praying for people at the altar I don't know why I'm telling you a story. While he was praying at the praying at the, praying with people at the altar, I noticed her trying to get up and feel her way somewhere. And I went to her and I said, Sister Wainick, what are you needing? She said, I need to go to the restroom. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you down the steps. And then I'm going to have one of my ladies assist you from there. And I'll wait for you at the steps and help you get back up. And on the way back up, I said, Sister Wainick, I want you to go and let Brother John George pray for you when you get upstairs. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord said, why are you waiting on him? Why are you waiting on him? You pray for him or pray for her. So right there on the steps, I said, Sister Wainick, i got to pray for you right here. I just put my hands on her. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to pray. I just said, Lord, you just said pray. You just said, and I commanded her eyes to open. And immediately God opened her eyes in that place. You see, it's too easy for me to trust Brother Donald. It's too easy for me to trust Clay. But I believe what God wants to do in this place isn't about one or two people. I believe it's about everybody in this room that God wants to start doing something with, not only in this building, but when you're on your job, when you're in the market, when you're going throughout the place, that God wants to start using you to manifest His power. 
It's a place of his power. It's a place of his great provision. I'm here to declare to you this morning, am I all right, Pastor Donald? I want to tell you something. Your building days are not over. I want to say it to you. I know this is a new building, but I'm telling you, your building days are not over. You're actually just getting started. And the Spirit of the Lord showed me that you were going to build in three different areas. I want you to listen to this. The first thing you're going to build, you're going to begin to build people. You're going to begin to build people. Clay, you're going to play a great role in that. You're going to play a great role in helping build. You are so solid. You know, prophetic people are like this. True prophetic people. My wife is very prophetic. Not where she'll get up and prophesy, but she just, I mean, she's got a keen sense of discernment and she cannot stay in gray areas. I mean, there's no gray areas. She'll correct me in a moment. You, you know, because sometimes I'm up and I might say something, you know, I was here a year ago. Well, she don't want to know it was a year ago. If it was, if it was the 350th day, that's not the full year yet. You were here four or five days short of the year. Just her nature to be that way sometimes. Do you have to understand something? They want you on a solid foundation. And you're going to build people in this place. And they're going to bring you to a place that you can build and build your life solidly. The second place you're going to build, you're going to build different ministries. When I say ministries, I'm not just talking about things outside. I'm talking there's people in this room. You didn't realize there's ministry in you. There's things that God is calling you to do beyond where you are. And God's going to help you. He's going to reveal it. And they're going to begin to help build you and help you discover your gifts and help begin to release you and activate you and empower you for the work that God has called you to. Because I see this place like a big like a big wagon wheel. And this is the hub. And I see spokes going out of this place all over this region. Because the region will not change right here. It's going to change as we go out there and we impact the places where we live. Third place you're, you're going to build. You're going to build centers. You're going to build centers. This is more probably could be physical things like buildings and such as that. But I, I don't know. I know this one brother here is involved with Teen Challenge. and <coughs> But I see, I see centers for, for women. I see a place for addicts. I see a place for this and, and a place for that. That you're going to literally build it. And you guys are going to go in and you're going to minister those people. And you're going to see great transformation. Listen, Pastor, you have endeavored. This is what the Lord spoke to me. You have endeavored to go with your heart. You have, you have endeavored and have a heart. I, I had to write it down. You have endeavored and have a heart to go and work with others. You've had a heart and you've endeavored even to go into the community and into the place to, to help and to work. And many of those, even the churches that you've gone to, have not grabbed hold and they've not took to what God had put in your heart. But I hear the Lord say this. He said, they refuse, but I'm going to cause you to do it. He said, I'm going to cause you to do You're going to start it and then they're going to come and get on board with what you're doing. I, I just see, I see a massive food pantry. I just see a massive clothing place. I see things where they're going to come and say, I'm going to be a part. And listen, this is, I believe, one of the reasons why God is doing it this way. Because they've done it out of themselves. God said, you're going to do it my way. I'm going to show you how to be effective. I'm going to show you how to touch more people than you've ever dreamed you could ever touch. Hello. Listen to me, City of Hope. If you want to be a church, you can be. If that's all you want to be is a gathering place on Sunday morning, you can be. I want to tell you something, but I don't believe these two men. I don't believe this pastor. I don't believe several of you are going to be satisfied just to come in and have a church sit on a corner. There's churches on every corner in America. Listen, I know many of you saw a year ago, Ferguson, Missouri. That's only a couple of hours away from where I'm at, up in the heart of St. Louis. When the, when the riots took place up there, you need to understand something. There was a church on every corner. 
There was a church on every corner of that community. And there were even churches that would march through that community. Well, I'm telling you, a church on every corner, a building isn't going to change anything. Nor a group of people that's just going to march through the street with a sign and said, we don't like what's going on. But when a body of people, when a group of people will come together collectively in a common vision and stand up as one man with the heart and the passion of God, I'm telling you, miraculous things will begin to take place. The Bible said in the book of Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there I have commanded the blessing, the Bible says. He said it's like the anointing oil that was poured upon the head of the priest that flowed down to the beard, even to the skirts of his garment. It's like the dew that's upon Mount Hermon that that would flow down to the parched ground below. God said, there I have. Listen, he didn't say a blessing would come. He said, I've commanded it. I've commanded it. In other words, it's just waiting upon us. It's waiting. God, I need you to bless me. No, God said, I'm just needing you to step in what I've already commanded for the blessing to do. When he said, behold, how good. How do you compare good? How does God compare good? Last night, Pastor took me to a, where did we go? To some restaurant here in town. We had some fried cheese. I want to tell you something. That was good. That was real good. Really good. But where do you compare it to? I don't know if you've ever been to Patty's over around Kentucky Lake. There's a restaurant over there called Patty's. They offer a two-inch pork chop. I'm telling you, it'll wrap your tongue all the way around your head. They got cheese logs that are about this long and about that big around. I was comparing it to, to I was comparing it to patties. I want to tell you, they're both really good. But when God says something is good, how does God compare something good? The Bible said when God created things through the earth, as he put everything in motion, God would look at it. And God said, Well, that's good. Now, what in the world was God comparing that to? Where did God get the idea of good? This is what I truly believe God was saying. Behold, how God, how God and wonderful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. See, when God was saying good there, he could only compare it to himself. That's all that he could compare it to. So he's saying how God it is. And that word, how marvelous, behold, how good and wonderful, how good and marvelous, how good, is like, a fine ticking clock. It's like a fine ticking clock of every element, of every piece. I've got a watch on right now. It tells me i got to hurry up real quick. And it's running. It's not behind. I see the outside. But if I open it up and I saw all the little wheels and the segments... Everything is in its place. That's what God is saying. He's saying how wonderful this is. But when David was talking about unity, he wasn't talking about us being in this room. He wasn't talking about us gathering in this room. That wasn't David the shepherd speaking. That was David the military man speaking. David looking from a whole different perspective. Because see, we think we're in unity because we show up in the room. That's a bunch of bulls. I've been in the room with a whole lot of people didn't like any of them. And they didn't like me. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't be so holy on me. I'm just being real and honest with you. Y'all can smile. Then y'all go outside and eat them up on the inside. At least I had enough to say, I don't like being here. Not talking about here. But just because I'm in the same room with somebody and we're together doesn't mean anything. We have unity meetings all the time. All we do is gather. As soon as we leave, we're back. We need more unity. What was he talking about then? He's talking about when we come for a common purpose and goal. There's something to be accomplished. It's the aim of which we're going. Listen, pastor has laid out something for this church. You want to see a miracle? You want to see a miracle? I dare, I dare you. I 
double dog dare you. This group of people right here, get a hold of the vision. Get a hold of this faith there movement that is started in this church. Give it everything you got. It won't take three years. You said three months while ago. It won't take three years. It will take three months because the supernatural of God gets on what God has ordered. Oh, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, go look in the book of Nehemiah. Read that story. When the people put their hand to work. One of the largest and fastest growing churches in India right now is in the nation of India. One of the poorest countries or nations on the planet. I read an article about them recently. This church bought a piece of ground. There's over 100,000 strong. 100, can you imagine this? A hundred thousand people strong and growing. And they needed a facility. They bought a piece of ground. And this is a poverty-stricken country. So what did they do? They got together in a common vision. They would go to the ground and pray. They would pray in the rain. They would pray in the storms. They let nothing stop them. And the Lord spoke to the pastor. And pastor was talking to God. He said, I want you to begin this building. It was a supernatural work. This building, I think, would seat, no exaggeration, I believe this building would seat like 70-something thousand people that they they would put up. And they built this building from the ground up in a manner. Matter of fact, when he was praying, he prayed like this. Lord, those people in the day of Nehemiah put those walls up in 52 days. If you can do that for Nehemiah, you can do that for us. And I'm asking you for grace. And would you believe that they built that building completely from top to bottom, totally furnished, painted inside and out, decorated. They'd done it in 52 days. Why? Because of the supernatural power of God when people get together. Wow. I'm telling you, He's here. I know, I know, I know He's here. I know, I know, I know He's here. I know, I know He's in this place. His love and mercy, saving grace, oh, healing power is in this place. I know, I know, I know that He is here. He is here. Let me land this jet on this note this morning. Are you all okay? In the book of Exodus chapter 25, if you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, just follow along with me. In the book of Exodus chapter 25, God takes a group of people that He has just brought out of Egypt. Some over three and a half million plus people have been living their lives now, have grown, many of them grown up in in slavery. That's not what God intended, but that's where they grew up. There was a generation that went into slavery, and after that for the next 400 years, there was generation after generation after generation that grew up in slavery, but yet at the same time had the DNA of God and the promise of God in them that they were to live in a land that flows with milk and honey. And you know the story that God hears their cry after some 400 years. And what I believe the cry of God is isn't somebody complaining. But I believe the cry of God is is when somebody begins to declare what God has promised. I believe it was the DNA that was in them from Father Abraham when God said to them, I'm going to make you a father of nations. I'm going to make you a father of nations and by you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But they weren't feeling blessed because they're in slavery and on the inside of them. See, sometimes you don't understand your trouble. Sometimes you don't understand your pain. Your pain is letting you know there's a problem, but there's another thing your pain is doing. Your pain is telling you this isn't the will of God for you. Your trouble is telling you, your agony, your turmoil that you're going through is telling you, yes, there's a problem, but it's doing something greater. It's telling you this is not the will of God for my life. 
I want to tell you something. It is not the will of God for His people to be sick. I don't care how long you've carried your illness. It is not the will of God for this people to be impoverished. It's not the will of God for people to be addicted. It's not the will of God for families to be broken. It's not the will of God for children to be orphaned. It's not the will of God. But when somebody begins to cry for what the will of God is, then all of a sudden God goes into action and God sends a man with a word of deliverance to command that the Pharaoh or command that the ruler and believe me it is a ruler that has got a grip over them that they have been serving but God is sending a word to command let my people go but it's just not about any people it's about the people that belong to God and who are his God brings them up out of Egypt God brings them out of Egypt. And this is what the Word said in Exodus 25. Moses goes to Sinai, goes up on the mountain, and while he's there, God says in chapter 25, verse 1, He said, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red, badger skins and shatim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Listen to what he said. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me. Let me give you to find a couple words. When he said to make, he didn't say I'm going to make it. He said you make it. He said you make it. You make it. Let them make me. Let them bring me an offering, but let them make me a place. The word make there means to accomplish. It means bring it forth. It means to provide. It means to furnish. It means to serve. It means to govern. Let them govern a place. Let them govern this place. Let them bring this forth. Let them make me a sanctuary that I can dwell among them. The word sanctuary means a sacred dedicated, prepared place. It's a place that's been appointed. It's a place that's been pronounced. I want to tell you, listen to me, City of Hope. They may not know your name by by name. They may not even know what the name of this church is. But the one thing they should know, that's the place I'll find God. That's the place where the presence of God is. That's where I can go feel the power. That's where I can go encounter Him. That's where I can go. That's where God dwells among that people. Let Him build me a sanctuary. Listen to what He's saying. That I can dwell among my people. I've got news for you. Even when you come in and think he's not here, when you designate that place for him, he's here. We Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, deliverance, whatever we call ourselves, we're always living for a moment. We're working for a moment. I believe it's time for us to take another step. I'm not living for a moment. I'm in the moment. And God is here. He does too many different things. If I'm looking for the jump and the shout ever service, then I promise you, you have put a restraint on God. If all I'm looking for is something always that runs up and down my back, I hear preachers say this after they've been preaching a while. Ooh, I felt my help coming. I thought, dude, why didn't you have him 30 minutes ago? Because you've just wasted 30 minutes of my time and he showed up. Listen, he didn't wait. Listen, he didn't, he didn't get here just when we opened up. He came in with pastor. He came in with clay. He came in with this brother. He came in with that sister. He came in with me. Worship team, he was here before you ever started playing. He's already in this place. You and I got to know we're in a place where God dwells. He said, let him bring me an offering. He said, build this place. Come on, you got something more to do. I drove through the town hall ago. I drove through the community. I got here a little early. Just drove through. I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to feel it. I drove around some areas. I saw other churches this morning. I, I saw other buildings. You're not the only church in town. We'll go to church. We'll go through motion and we'll leave and forget all about God. 
But he said, I want you to build something totally different. Brother, I'm here to tell you, listen, guys. There's more to what is going on and the impact of what God wants to do. It may not look like there's enough to do it, but don't you discount the ability of God on the inside of you. Little is much when God is in it, and when we will give our little to God, God supernaturally. He said, bring me some things. I found it kind of interesting. These guys are the scholars and the teachers. Man, I tell you, they put me to shame when it comes to that stuff. Listen. But I saw like five or six different elements here that God said bring. There were six elements that would represent colors that God, or five that God would speak of. He said, first, five is the number of grace. You all know that. Five is the number of grace. I believe that's the primary thing that you and I are to walk in is the grace of God. What does grace do? It covers a multitude of sin. Listen, listen to me, church. We're going to have to quit going to people, getting up in their face and telling them how wicked they are. They already know how wicked they are. And by the way, it is not changing them when we do that. I'm not telling us that we don't preach truth. I'm not telling us that we don't point out things. But when the world is saying, I'm tired of being condemned before we ever catch them, then they're not, they're not being attracted to the church. But the first thing that we need to do, we need to cover ourselves in the grace of God. We need to walk in the grace of God. We need to let our words be seasoned with the grace of God because grace has covered a multitude of sins. And it's covered you and I. He said, bring me gifts. He said, bring me an offering of gold. Gold speaks of deity. It speaks of kingdom. See, you need to understand some of this stuff, what it represents. Everything is significant. It speaks of deity. It's going to reflect God, not religion. It's going to reflect God. The second thing, he said, bring me an offering of silver. (coughs) Silver speaks of redemption. The price that was paid for sin. We need to let people know a price has already been paid for them. The third thing, he said, bring me a gift of bronze. Now, this is the only one, and it's kind of stuck in the middle of the other, of two on this side and two on this side. Bronze will speak of the judgment of sin. He said, you bring the kingdom. Listen, you bring a picture of redemption, and that alone will bring judgment. But on the other side of that is the color blue. He said, that speaks of heavenly. And the third or the fifth color is the color of purple, which speaks of royalty. So what does God do? God puts right in the middle of himself. He puts judgment, but on the outside so that it can be handled and contained. He wraps himself in it. Then he said, bring me. He brought six things which represents humanity. Listen, I think it's time for us to be real. You know, I get more comments from people when I'm real. I'm being honest. People don't come to me and say, Pastor, that was really good. But I get more comments when people know, you know what, I got upset with my kid. Or you know what, I had a lustful thought. Or this happened to me. I'm not saying I gave in to it. I'm just telling you I'm being real. We got to live this thing out. Not put it in a room. We got to live it out. I I got to tell people I'm not perfect. I got a perfect Savior, but I'm not perfect. And if it was based upon my merit, I'm never going to be perfect. But I got a perfect Savior that made me perfect. So he said, bring me a scarlet thread. It speaks of sacrifice. Give me some fine linen. Listen, I believe we need to walk as pure as we possibly can walk. He said, give me goat's hair. Speaks of a sin offering. I need to be bringing an offering of repentance before the Lord God. Here I am, God. It's the greatest offering I can bring. Ramskin is a substitutionary sacrifice. I got to know that my sac- he paid my sacrifice. He became my sacrifice for me. He said, bring me badger skins, which speaks of an out word appearance that's not very attractive. In other words, the Bible said, don't let it be all of the airs that we put on of religiosity, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Let it be that inward expression coming out of the God that's on the inside. We've judged everybody from the way they look. My goodness, from whether you've got a suit on or don't have one on, whether you've got tattoos or don't have tattoos, whether you got piercings, and there's stuff I don't like, I got to be honest with you. 
I don't like all that stuff, but I want to tell you, I don't know if you've ever heard this young man by the name of Todd White. Anybody ever heard of him? Todd White's one of the most radical evangelists we got on the planet. You look at him, he's got a head full of dreadlocks piled up. But you talk about a bold dude for God. I mean, he'd scare me if I looked at him coming around. But I'm telling you, his passion for Jesus and his passion for lost souls is unbelievable. But if we're not careful, we look at people, ain't God ain't going to be able to do nothing with you, son. Because we've made it all about an external instead of what is on the inside of us. Matter of fact, even Peter said that as he was talking about, you know, husbands and wives getting together. He said, if you've got an unbelieving partner, don't let it be by the braiding of the hair and all this stuff that you do to convince him. Although, don't misunderstand. That stuff is nice. But he said, let it be that hidden man. Let it be the true man on the inside. That, that other thing that he spoke of there. Man, this crazy little thing here. I don't know why I use it. It keeps going off. He said, bring me some acacia wood, which just simply means humanity. Will somebody live this thing out? Will somebody be willing in this hour? God said, bring me a sanctuary. I, I want to tell you something. I, l- listen to what I'm going to tell you. More than God wants to dwell in this thing that we call a church building. This is where God really wants to be. Because if it's just about this building, it's only limited to this corner. But if I can realize that this picture isn't about this building, it's really about me. It's about this body right here. It's about each one of you. So that everywhere you go, Jesus is going. When you go to the market, Jesus is with you. When you go Go to your neighbors. Jesus is with you. When you're working in the on your job site, Jesus is with you. He wants to feel us. He said, give me somebody where I can pour myself into their humanity and I can reveal myself to a lost and dying world. And finally, and I'll, and I'll land it here. He said, listen, bring me some oil for anointing, sweet spices, and onyx stones. He said, bring me some oil. Some people that will live in the Spirit. People that know how to live and climb in the Spirit and just live there and pour out of themselves. Worship team, I want to encourage you. You blessed me this morning. You guys are good. You really are. You're very good. You guys got a great sound. But I want to tell you something. Pour out. Pour out. When you come in, you're a well pouring out. If they're not worshiping, you be prepared. Don't you wait to get prepared when you get in here. But you be prepared, and when you come, begin to pour out. You that are in this room that are prepared, every week there are people get around us. They're empty. They're dry. You are saying God is going to feel. They're looking for a well. What did Jesus say? If any man is thirsty, let him come and drink, and out of him shall flow rivers of living water. I didn't hear him say, coming down upon you will be living water. He said, out of you will come rivers of living water and he said thus he's speaking about the Holy Spirit he said bring me some sweet spices bring me some sweet spices for the oil I believe it's worship the fruit of our lips giving thanks to God then he said bring me some onyx stones for the breastplate of the priest on his on the high priest on his ephod would be 12 stones am I am I right scholars there would be 12 stones. Each stone would represent one of the tribes, 12 tribes. 12, 12 is the number of, a, of government. So what is God saying? He said, I'm wanting to establish my government in the earth. I'm wanting to establish something. Can you imagine what can happen when we get to the place that we can start acting like Jesus, which we're supposed to do? Instead of going and spending more time in prayer, which we are to do, But instead of us saying, God, I wish you had helped me, this is what we do. Be whole. Be healed. Do you ever notice the prayers of Jesus? He didn't have to fast and pray for 24 hours or 48 hours or a week before he healed. Matter of fact, there were a few times he said, the only reason I'm praying is because you guys got to have this. But he said, I want you to start commanding and releasing things in the region. He said, I want you to start releasing it, speaking it, declaring over this region because the government of God is here. Pastor, where do we start? I'm going to land the jet right here. Where does it start? It starts with you and I. It starts with us, each one of us. The first thing before they got to this part is found in Exodus chapter 19. I don't have time to hit it all because we got to land the jet and get you out of here. Listen, because I want you to come back tonight. I don't even think y'all got an airfield here, do you? And I'm landing a jet. Good night. Can you believe that? Listen, 
This is where he said in Exodus 19, he brings them to the place. And he said, I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you out. And he said, I brought you to this place to make you a kingdom. Listen, make you a kingdom of priests and kings unto me. Then he says in chapter 20, build me an altar. Build me an altar of, of, of stone. Stones we are, lively stones unto the Lord. If you were with me in, in where were we in Berea a few weeks ago, I, I touched this there. He said, build me an offering. Build me an altar. At that altar, it's our place that we come. On the altar, I believe, are three things. It's the place, it's the first place where you and I honor God. I mean really honor God. We recognize Him as Jehovah. We recognize Him as Elohim, the God of covenant. Jehovah, the God that exists and has been before all things. We recognize Him as by, by without Him nothing can stand. Nothing was made without Him. It's the place we give honor to God. We're not religious, but we're truly giving honor to God. I truly believe there was a God in heaven and a God that could do all things. My life and your life would totally be different. It's the second place on that altar is a place I come a place of worship. I become a place of worship. May I tell you what worship is? We've made worship one thing. We've made it music. But worship really has different dimensions and different depths. Just one story is Jesus comes to a house of, of one where he's found and there's a lady there by the name of Mary that is sitting at his feet her sister Martha is in the kitchen preparing a meal and Jesus is sitting in the, in, in the, in the big recliner and Mary is at his feet Martha's in the kitchen fixing lunch Martha looks into the, into the living room and sees Mary and he, she kind of remarks and Jesus hears it I believe she has said Master send her in here to help me and Jesus speaks to Martha and says, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen the greater thing. Now that has always messed with me because what if you can't sing? If that's what worship is, if all it is is here and I can't play like this sister, I'm in trouble. If I can't sing, I'm in trouble. Some of you don't even need to try to sing because I can tell you, you can't sing. So don't try. You're in trouble. So you mean I can't worship? No, look at the dynamics of worship. Three dynamics. First of all, worship is setting at the feet of Jesus, in His presence, ministering unto Him. Whether you're singing a song, maybe you're taking the word back to Him. Maybe it's what we're doing this morning. We're here. We're setting at the feet of His presence. That's worship. Everybody needs to be a part of that. Second dynamic of worship is serving. That's what Martha was doing. She's serving. Listen, when Jesus said to, to Martha, you're troubled about many things and Mary has chosen the greater, it doesn't mean that what she was doing was greater than what Martha was doing. What he was really saying to her, Mary or Martha, she's doing what I have need of this moment. It's what I'm asking of her. This is what I need right now. But in a moment, she's going to quit washing my feet. And I'm going to rise up. And I'm going to need something. And I need somebody to serve me a good meal. Some of you are incredible. You think serving. Man, having a heart to serve is worship unto God. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. I don't care if you're mowing the grass. I don't care. It was raining outside when I pulled up and Pastor motioned for me to stop. I go, what are you doing, Jack? He ran over to his truck in the rain, got his umbrella out, and here he comes like Mary Poppins across the lot. I thought, I ain't going to melt. I'm not that sweet. I'm not too good. I can't get wet. But what was he doing? He was serving. He was serving unto the Lord you got to be willing to serve. But then there's a third element there that we missed. Third element we missed because they're in the house that somebody provided. And it more than likely was their brother Lazarus' house because he would have more than likely been the provider. So here's the whole deal. Somebody has to be provision. Some of you in this place, your worship is your gifts. It's your money. It's your time. 
It's what you can give. Don't you ever take that lightly. Don't you ever take that lightly. Because you're serving God. It's part of your worship unto the Lord. I know that you've been asked in the, in the, in the campaign. That's all I know about it. It's what I really have read just a little bit. I've heard about it. Is that you guys are believing what to raise a million dollars? A million dollars. Boy, that's a lot of money, isn't it? But you know what? It's no step to God. And you know what? You might be surprised what God will do with you. I sat with a lady last week. Sat with a businesswoman in my town. Set with her, set with her last week. She said, she said, I gotta go in a dream that I'm gonna sow a million dollars out of my business. I'm gonna sow a million dollars. She said, it scares me to death to think about it. I said, shouldn't. Because I said, when you start giving to God, you watch what God does. I had a man come to me this past year, over the last number of years, number of years ago. This is honest truth. Am I okay? A number of years ago, the Lord told me I me and my wife hadn't been married. Well, we'd been married several years. But we bought our first brand new car. I watched it back off the truck. 1983 Buick LeSabre. Big, long car. Solid white. Four door. This thing was amazing. I watched it come off the truck. We had to finance it because I didn't have cash to pay for it. And as soon as I got it paid for in four years, can't hardly do that no more. But as soon as I got it paid for, the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, I want you to give it away. I said, what? I want you to give it away. It looked like brand new. It only had like 70,000 miles on it. I said, God, you're going to have to convince my wife about this one. I walked in the house. I said, I believe the Lord just spoke something to me. She said, I know. He said, give the car away. And he told us who to give it to to a family that was desperately in need and had an old station wagon that was really just a piece of junk. And I went, I went to him. I said, the Lord told me to give you my car. And since I've given you my car, let me have your car, would you? And so for the next few weeks, I drove that old car until I could afford to go get another one. And we financed another car. 19 years ago, I came to Cape. My car broke down. It wore out. I bought a car for $5,000. Nice car. The man told me, he said, listen, it'll last. It'll be good for a year. You'll get your money back out of it. You'll just drive it. So finally, I went to a brother. I said, listen, dude, my dream car was a Lincoln Town car. It was always my dream car. I went to this guy that kind of handled cars. I said, listen, and it, it, the one I bought for $5,000 was an older model Lincoln. had only 40,000 miles on it. I said, I'm thinking about selling the car. You know anybody would be interested? He said, don't do anything till I talk to you, Pastor. Two days later, he calls me. He said, let's have lunch. He said, when your car broke down, the Lord spoke to me to buy you a car. And he said, when I saw you pull up in the blue, and I, would, I thought I was off the hook. And he said, but the Lord won't let me rest until you, I, I give you a car. And he said, I was going to go to the auction and just buy you a car. And he said, then the Lord spoke to me. He said, would you give, would you give that to me? He said, no. He said, you give to him what you'll give to me. And he gave me his personal new Lincoln. And it was nice. So after that, every year, three new cars were provided for me. There came a moment he quit giving to me. And another brother came to me. Said, you need a car, don't you? Then he started giving me a car. So for the next two years after that, he's provided me cars until this year comes along. And he approached me and he said, the Lord told me I wasn't supposed to give you my car this year. I said, well, dude, that's all right. You're not my source anyway. I said it kinder than that, but I said, it's okay. You do what God told you to do. He said, well, I just believe God's got another way. But I wanted a new car this year, brand new, no miles. Then I started looking for a new truck. But I couldn't afford a new truck. So I started looking at used trucks. But I was praying, God, give me a new truck. And the Lord speaks to me one day, Pastor Donald. He said, you're not going to find a new truck looking in a used car lot. So I had to go back looking at the new trucks. And that's all I could do was go look at new trucks. 
And then a brother shows up in my church. He said, I got to talk to you. He said, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, what do you, what do you want? I told him what I was after. He said, I want to tell you, God has greatly blessed me. And he said, I believe the Lord has spoke to me that I'm to give you an amount of money to go put on a new truck. He said, you think you can handle it? I said, here's who to write the check to. Now, here's the deal. He didn't give me full amount, but he gave me half the money to buy the new truck. The other half, I'm financing. But I'm believing God because, God, I'm watching God do a miracle for me absolutely every month since I've had it. That somehow He opens up a way, sends somebody to bless me with the amount that I need to take care of the payment. I'm just here to tell you, when you put your provision in God, that all of a sudden it's amazing what God can do. I'm not telling you a preacher's story. I live this way. I live this way. I've watched God do amazing things. I got a building we, we launched into eight, nine years ago. Four million dollars into the project. And as soon as we get into the project, all of my leadership decides they want to go somewhere else. And when all my leadership decide to go somewhere else, so did some of the people. Could you believe that? I didn't have a church split. I didn't have anything. It's just like the faucet got turned on and it wouldn't quit. And they just kept going. And they kept going. And they kept going. And I got a $4 million building I got to pay for. $30,000 a month was my payment. $30,000 a month. And I've watched God ever since then, every month, walk in my door and take care of that payment. First thing they did, they started, the bank came to us and said, we realize you guys can't keep this up. Because they said, you're doing what a church three times your size ought to be doing. So we're going to lower the interest payment, the interest on your payment, 2%. It went from 30000 to 21000 a month, just like that. My wife takes care of our books. And when it gets rough, she'll call me and say, you better start praying. You better start praying. It isn't here. I don't have rich folk. I got people that are barely scraping to get by. I got, I got folk that are calling me up. Can you pay my light bill? Can you give us some food? Can you bring toilet paper to our house? I got folk like that. And yet I'll watch people come in. It's never failed. It has been so amazing. Pastor Clay, I've watched people walk in. I was sitting, I was sitting at dinner one day with, with, a, with a, a pastor. And my phone rings. It was our secretary. He said, Pastor, I just thought you need to know this because we were 15000 short for the payment that was due that week. And she said, somebody just stopped by to bring us a check for $15,000 that came in. I've watched God do that over and over and over. We've been desperately needing to do some maintenance that we haven't been able to do. We needed a new roof on our building. And we haven't just had the money to do it. I can't go borrow money. I mean, I'm maxed. So a couple years ago, I took my men down to a church in our region that needed a roof put on their church. I don't have a bunch of young men. I had just a bunch of old, old, what you know, some older guys, senior guys. We got on that roof. I thought it was going to be an easy job. I, it about killed every one of us. I thought, what in the world did we do? It was Assembly of God Church. I'm sitting there thinking, we're an independent church. Where's your Assembly of God brothers at? Why am I doing this? May I tell you, I'm just telling you about when you're faithful to God, what God does. A couple of weeks ago, a man came to my church said, Pastor, I think, feel like the Lord is speaking to us. We want to take care of this roof. They sent a contractor out two weeks ago, told them what the bid on the roof was going to be, nearly $50,000. They said, it's no problem, Pastor. We're going to take care of fixing the roof and putting it on for you. That's the goodness of God. I'm watching him do. I'm just trying to tell you, City of Hope, God will do it. One, one other one. Because we had a big air conditioner go out. Y'all know how you've been in my term. You know, one of my air conditioners were, was going bad. And the roofer said, guys, you don't need anybody on that roof. You don't need to be anybody on that roof for a while after we put it on. But we knew that air conditioner needed to be changed. It's like a 15-ton unit. 
And we knew what it was costing. We've been trying to put some money back. And we had a little issue came up of insurance here a few weeks ago that absorbed everything that we had put back. And this brother, I called, called him up and I said, hey, man, we, we, we got to put an air conditioner up. Oh, he said, Pastor, don't worry about it. He said, I'll handle that too. Some $20,000 to put that new unit up on the roof. He said, don't even worry about it. It's all taken care of. All I can tell you is, is when you make available to God your worship, whether it's by sitting at His feet, by whether it's serving, or whether it's your finances, you'll watch God do amazing things. And lastly, we're out of here. Listen, you put faith. you got to be people of faith. Be willing to believe for big things. Be willing to stretch God. Don't be afraid to ask God for anything. I ask God for everything. When I need shoes, I ask God for shoes. When I need a suit, see, that ain't nothing to you guys. I can't go to Walmart and buy my shoes. I wear a 14 AAA shoe. I have to special order these boys. I only get two colors or two styles, black and brown. They've gone up to $400 a pair now. So when I start needing shoes, I have to pray. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know when the last time I bought my own pair of shoes. I just go to prayer and say, God, I need some shoes. And somebody comes and says, I just feel to give you a gift card. Here, go buy your shoes or go buy you a suit. Go take care of this or take care of that. You've got to put it out there and be willing to trust Him. Put faith out there. God, you're a big God and can do anything but fail. Come on and stand to your feet with me this morning. Father, I thank you for this wonderful people. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you have given me to impart, to share into them. And I know I've gone long with them this morning. But Father, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that faith is arising in this place. I pray that in this place, I pray, Father, in this place, that faith is arising. Vision is arising in this place. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. Father, Father, all over this place, I come against every doubt, every unbelief. I come against every false identity. I come against every false lie, every accusation that has been brought against them. I come against the very thief that has come to steal from them. And I declare a new season over their life. I declare a season of prosperity. I declare a season of great grace. I declare a season of great health, of great joy that families will be stronger than ever. Father, I declare that from this place, a beacon of light will shine brighter than the stars. I declare in this place, Father, the glory of God to be revealed. I declare through these families, now I want you to put your hands together. Give Jesus a big shout of praise.